Hello everyone and uh, welcome to this uh, FL Schmidt Q4 and full year uh, 2023 uh, results presentation. Uh, my name is Janik Denholt, I am the head of IR. As always, we have to caution you that we will be making forward-looking statements in this call, so you know that. Today we put together a little agenda for you guys. First we'll have a presentation of the results, we'll have touch upon the guidance for the coming year, and then we'll give you guys a strategic update uh, how it's, uh, we've been progressing over the past year since we launched our strategies a year ago at the Capital Markets Day. To help me do that, uh, I'm joined today by uh, this uh, esteemed team of gentlemen. I have the CEO, Miko Keto, with me, we have Roland Andersen, our CFO, and we have Josh Meyer, our Head of Mining Services. And with that, I'll hand over the word to you, Miko. Thank you, Yannick. So I will firstly highlight uh, the 23 performance. It has been a transformational year for FL Smith. And if I look at the mining business, we've succeeded with our transformation. We delivered what we promised quarter by quarter. We've exceeded the speed of transformation that we even planned internally. So profitability, improvement, continued, uh, posting EBITDA margins, adjusted EBITDA margin uh, 10.8, and also reported margin has seen significant improvement. Integration of mining technologies and cost out as a result has been far, far faster than anticipated. So we're taking out lots of headcount, closed offices, so it has been successful. At the same time, we are moving more into growth mode in mining and, and we established new business line, pumps, cyclones and valves to address our greater growth ambition in that area. Seventh business posted a good result as well. We've been addressing the underlying issues of too heavy SDNA structure. We've been uh, addressing the pricing and, and focus on the, on the, on the service. Even without the one-off gain, the annual EBITDA would have been uh, 5.1. We continue pruning the portfolio, selling non-core cement assets. And we made a decision to look at divestment of the cement business as a whole. Non-core activities, exit from those, has been faster than anticipated as well. And uh, the starting back backlog for, for 24 starts to be quite small and it doesn't pose a big risk for the company anymore. For the most of our sustainability targets, we saw significant improvement. We are, will be appointing advisors to advise us on the sale of the cement asset in the coming days. At the same time, we are preparing cement to be sold. As a part of that, we continue our journey to focus on growing the service, not doing projects, focus on the products. And we continue to focus also on addressing the SGNA base, which is still slightly too high. So we continue all those activities and at the same time, we prepare asset for sale. There's only one KPI where we need not uh, exceed uh, our targets, and that was safety. And in safety, we saw improvement uh, within a year in the fourth quarter. We are addressing our in-house operations in North America where we saw an issue. But if you look at uh, Mission Zero, Scope 3, Scope 1 and 2, 
also improvement. Less water use, more wind managers, all improved apart from the safety. And safety is our, now our key agenda point for, for 24. I'm also pleased for the service order intake for the quarter four. It is plus 1% year on year. But if I look at organic service order intake growth is high single digit. So organic order intake growth in service was at a good level year on year. And products order intake reflects that there was no large orders in the final quarter of the year. And in the comparison year 22, we had two large orders re reported at the time. On the positive note, we saw a good start for January where we got two significant HPCR orders in the first weeks of the, of the year. All in all, I'm happy with the, with the order intake for the quarter four with the delay in, in timing of the products orders. Revenue reflects that our execution of our product business is successful. So it was a fairly heavy execution quarter for products and service execution deliveries were as anticipated. And if you look at the fourth quarter compared to year before, it's slightly heavier in the mix on the product side, which is again in turn reflected in EPTA. We posted good EPTA, uh, adjusted and reported on the quarter four, despite mix being a bit heavier on the products than on the aftermarket. So good improvement uh, an annual level and also a strong quarter to finish off the year. If I look at then the cement order intake, cement order intake for products was our own choice. If you look at a year ago order intake, it was too much projects. Now we are very strict. We don't do projects in cement. We do products and service only. And also, typically, if you do projects as we did a year ago, then there's a lot of non-FL Smith content or no aftermarket. So now we follow stricter policies to sell products and services. And on the positive note, we saw stabilization of the service market, meaning that uh, uh, service order intake was at a flat level, but at the same time, profitability of the order intake uh, is improving. So order intake profitability at a good level, uh, less capital order intake because we don't participate in the projects. And this is exactly what we plan to do. At the EBITDA level, it shows that uh, value of volume works. So we continue to post good EBITDA results in the cement. And even if we take out the adjustment for, for one-off gain from sale of one of the product lines, it's a good result. And the mix is still quite heavy on products, but as we are progressing in cement, mix, mix will be more service-centric and therefore supporting further uh, improvement in profitability. I'm extremely proud of... Uh, speed of exit from NCA. If I look at the starting backlog for the, for the new year, it is about uh, uh, 500 million uh, DKK. And that is significant reduction 
at the extremely fast pace what we've been able to achieve. One year, one quarter, and we are at this level. It shows how strong we've been executing the exit. And at the end of the year, we are done with the NCA and we are discontinuing the reporting segment as a whole. Then I hand over to Roland for the more financial details. Thank you for that, uh, Miku. So looking at uh, the group's result for Q4, a revenue shy of 6 billion and a 6% improvement in our gross uh, profit margin. Uh, EBITDA margin reported of 6.9%. We have a few uh, two uh, non, uh, non-cash items posted here on net financial items. We have an impairment charge on an associated company in Australia of about 60 million that sits in financials is non, non-cash. And under discontinued activities, uh, some of you will recall that we had a, a cash bond pulled against us back in 21, and uh, that was sitting under other receivables. That is now deemed non-collectible, uh, so that has been posted uh, of 150 million under discontinuing uh, activities, also as a uh, non-cash items. And that means that our discontinued activities will uh, pretty soon come to an end during the course of uh, this year. Gross margin increased by 6% year on year, primarily driven by our uh, mining business. Uh, Also, uh, the discontinuation of our non-core activities uh, helped with that. Cement is on a good level uh, gross uh, margin-wise as well, but up against a relatively strong comp here for for 22, where we closed out a few O1M contracts and a few other one-offs. So all in all, good progression in the group's uh, gross margin. Our SDNA cost uh, started to come down. Uh, efficiency gains and synergy takeout uh, positively impacted uh, this, and partly, of course, uh, offset uh, by uh, the integration costs related to integrating XTK or mining technologies. Um, our, our group Ibiza margin also uh, continued up here. Q3 23 is impacted by the sales in, in cement. So uh, reported 6.9% and adjusted uh, 9.2%. If we look at the, uh, the right-hand side bridge, which is uh, comparing to uh, Q4 from last year, we had a, a not-so-impressive 0.0 in, in Q4 last year. And if we add back integration costs and Russia wind-down costs, then we were at an adjusted uh, group level of 3.2. Uh, this quarter, revenues are slightly lower. We have improved our uh, gross margin significantly, and also SGNA uh, is coming down, and that is leading to a 9.2 adjusted uh, group margin, so, so moving uh, quite considerably uh, forward. If we uh, deduct the uh, integration cost, 2.5% here, then a reported beta margin for Q4, 23 of 6.9% for uh, the group. Uh, Networking capital have uh, uh, improved uh, significantly in Q4. We have done a number of things. So first of all, uh, uh, introduced uh, more sophisticated uh, steering of our inventories, so uh, uh, more uh, uh, diligent planning of that, but also uh, we've been around the corners and uh, in the company and have done a few uh, impairment charges. That is, of course, of non-cash nature. Trade receivables, uh, we had a good collection quarter as we traditionally uh, had, and also in receivables, we have done a few extra 
uh, impairment charges that predominantly uh, relate to uh, projects taken over from uh, XTKs. Trade payables were also positively uh, impacting the reduction that has more to do with uh, timing. And then we are getting back on track in terms of uh, keeping our work in progress uh, in negative territory with uh, milestone payments uh, and so on. Under other liabilities uh, sits the uh, 150 million from uh, the discontinued activities. So a number of adjustments to this one, some, um, some of cash nature, some of not cash nature. And that means that networking capital is uh, ending the year at 5.7% of uh, revenue. And with that, uh, our CFFO for the group uh, ends up at 931 uh, for the quarter. We had a few investments uh, and also the final uh, payment to TK of 78 million here in, in Q4. And uh, that means that Q4 ends with a free cash flow of 727 million. We are reducing uh, our uh, debt uh, correspondingly, and that means that we end the year with a leverage ratio of uh, 0.4x, so uh, well in line with our capital structure targets. No need to dwell with this one. This is the results uh, in line with guidance and in line with what we announced on uh, the 29th of January. Um, group uh, revenue of 24 billion, adjusted EBITDA margin of 8 and uh, reported EBITDA margin of uh, 6% uh, for the year. If you look at uh, the guidance number, this is also unchanged compared to what we announced in, uh, in January. So a mining business for uh, 2024 of 16 to 17 billion, an adjusted EBITDA margin of 11.5 to 12.5. We will be calling out uh, uh, one-off costs in mining of 200 million Danish kroner. This is predominantly used to uh, uh, continue the uh, transformation of uh, moving the company into a so-called principal company model, ERP changes and other stuff we need to do in, in that respect but also a little bit the final uh, separation from cement. Cement here is uh, guided at four to four and a half billion uh, kroner and adjusted pizza margin of five and a half to six and a half. Um, we're calling out a hundred million here as one of course predominantly related to uh, the finalization of the separation and also uh, a little bit of help we need from externals to uh, prepare the cement for uh, sale. As Miko mentioned, we will be appointing uh, advisors in, uh, in uh, very few days. Non-core activities, 250, 350 million in revenue and then a loss of two to 300. And that means that we will conclude that segment this year. And uh, we still expect the total loss from that segment to be a billion uh, since inception in Q4 22. So completely in line with um, with our expectations. If we add up all that, the group will turn over between 20 and 21 and a half billion. We will have an adjusted EBITDA margin of 9 to 10 and then a reported EBITDA margin of 7.5 to 8.5. In the cement numbers, we assume that the sale of the Mark Gear business will conclude in Q1 and we are on track to uh, close that deal soon. The uh, mining EBITDA guidance bridge that we also announced on uh, the 29th of Jan, so uh, compared to uh, full year margin, adjusted margin uh, of 10.8, if we take out the integration cost, the EBITDA margin for mining would have been 8. 
we're moving forward and calling out 3% uh, in uh, integration costs that won't uh, reoccur. We will have additional cost synergies of 2.5%. Uh, then there's a bit of, of an, an inflation element of our SGNA cost base, and we have reinvested uh, in uh, the commercial front end that Josh Meyer here will come back to in a second. And uh, then we're calling out the 1.5%, which is the 200 million uh, Danish kroner in transformation and separation costs. So an underlying implied reported EBITDA margin of 10 to 11, corresponding to an adjusted EBITDA margin of 11.5 to 12.5. So uh, uh, moving forward uh, in 24 as, as, as planned. And with that, I'll give it back to uh, Miko. Uh few highlights for the long-term outlook. Uh, mining is extremely attractive industry. The long-term growth is driven by green transition, both in energy and uh, EV vehicles and the rest. So that will be one of the growth drivers for long-term demand for the commodities. And we are about 50% exposed to the commodities that are needed in green transition. Economic growth Still, many population-rich countries, emerging middle class or middle-class living standards will drive the growth. Those are the two key growth drivers for the whole mining industry. And uh, it is clear from all the forecasts that uh, demand will succeed or is greater than, than supply. So there will be investments into new mines. There will be lots of investments in the mining industry. Short term, there's a quite more quiet period, meaning that uh, this year uh, we are expecting service to be stable or small growth, and uh, we are expecting still see some more delays in the capital investments. The start of the year has been good for, for FL Smith in the products business, but we expect uh, the capital business to be a bit slower this year. Service, we continue to push for the growth and, and, uh, and uh, building foundation for long-term uh, growth for our initiatives that just will go through in a minute. Regulatory environment is still uncertain. In most of the countries, customers still face challenges for the permitting, licensing of the operations. Geopolitical turmoil is impacting mining industry because it's global industry. And of course, macroeconomics regarding inflation, interest rates still continues to impact us. But long term, we are sitting in the industry, which is one of the best and most fastest growing industries over time, yet being cyclical. If I then look at the, our strategic uh, initiatives or foundations that we communicated during the capital market day and how we are doing, we are building the core of the business, which means that uh, we've been exiting NCA assets, which were heavily loss-making risky assets, mainly material handling and, and uh, ports, stacker reclaimers, and that type of operations. We are largely done with that exit, and the remaining backlog for this year is very small. We separated cement and mining, and we decided to divest cement assets. We've integrated uh, Tusen Group uh, mining, what we call mining technologies, faster than anticipated. And we've taken aggressively, proactively out synergies for the whole business. And that's why we are getting uh, 600 million uh, 
DKK run race units starting this year. Now we are focusing on business simplification, which means ERP system. We have many of them, they're out of date. Looking at the principal company model, simplify the way we do business and how we run the business, all the processes and tools. And that will make business scalable for growth long term. More simple processes, simple tools, the scalability comes. We are investing to commercial front end, and as Roland said, with the investments into pumping business, we have a new business line, pump cyclones uh, valves, where we expect uh, faster than market growth. At the same time, we acquired and invested to midline manufacturing. And we continue becoming more service-centric operation as a whole. And we will see in the coming years growth in consumer pools. We see growth in pump cycles and valves. And we will support the growth with the selective mergers and acquisitions. We are building foundation for future growth. And uh, I will hand over to Josh, who will then go through some of the initiatives in uh, actually, sorry, Roland, who will go through the synergies and then followed by Josh, who will cover the initiatives in more in detail. Thank you, uh, Miko. Yeah, as uh, Miko mentioned, uh, <coughs> we uh, have concluded the integration of mining technologies uh, by the end of 2023. And we, if we step back a bit, uh, when we concluded the deal or signed the deal back in July 21, we estimated that we were able to take out synergies of 360 million uh, that we would spend integration cost of 560 million DKK uh, doing so. A couple of weeks into the ownership period in uh, October 2022, or a month or two, uh, we, it became clear that we were able to take out uh, a higher uh, number in synergies, uh, so we upped that estimate to 560 million Danish kroner and uh, estimated that we would need up to 800 million Danish kroner in integration costs doing so. And then uh, basically counting the dimes uh, by the end of 2023, uh, we have now taken out about 100 million in uh, synergies and we have spent uh, 733 doing so. So uh, we did a bit more for a uh, bit less. Uh, these synergies predominantly come from uh, overlapping functions in uh, the organization, so it's headcount driven. But there has also been duplications in facilities, a little bit in the manufacturing and the service uh, centers, and then uh, uh, a chunk in uh, our supply chain and our procurement uh, uh, integration. Um, we continue to, uh, to right-size and to, uh, to simplify our business, and that means over and above the integration, we have been... Uh, uh, taking out uh, offices, uh, reduced our uh, geographical footprint from 150 and we will uh, be around 90 here during Q1. That sounds like a big number. It's obviously the low-hanging fruits and maybe the smaller sites. And um, by the end of 24 into 25, we, have a, we expect that we will take out a, another 10, which is uh, obviously a bigger size for us or consolidate our, ourselves at a fewer but bigger sites uh, around the world. Also, the headcount will uh, be reduced further during the course of uh, uh, 2024 uh, across the business, both in cement and in uh, mining, as we uh, consolidate uh, ourselves around, around the world. 
Uh, we continue to de-risk uh, our order backlog. We are well progressed now, so we started in 21 with our uh, risk strategy, and uh, at that point in time, we were about 50-50% between what we really wanted here. It's referred to as preferred scope uh, versus high complexity, extended scope, uh, higher risk, lower margin type of business. And uh, out of 22, that split was closer to 70-30. Now we are closer to 73-27, and I think we expect that uh, percentage number to go up uh, a notch more until we are happy. But it means that our backlog now is a considerably uh, better quality, quality in terms of margin, lower risks, and hopefully lower uh, risk of surprises as we move forward from uh, here on. So this is exactly in line with what we wanted to uh, to do strategically. All right, thank you, Roland. Give it over to Josh. Thanks. The, uh, that's a great lead-in, obviously, to, uh, to, to what I'm about to speak to here. Um, and I'm going to touch back on some of the strategic initiatives that we launched or discussed at uh, Capital Markets Day uh, a year ago this time. Um, on the cleaning up of our backlog or the, the, the reconciling our, our business to the areas that we really want on the service side, there was really one area we had, uh, we had highlighted as a uh, pruning exercise, and that was around basic labor. If we look at where we finished in 23, we were down to about 5% of our total service uh, in order intake in basic labor services. And we've put a lot of work into exiting contracts and closing out uh, this portion of the business to give us a much healthier backlog um, and order intake level moving forward. We were successful in exiting two contracts uh, in 23. Another is expiring uh, this year, and we've uh, since negotiated one additional exit. So we're, we'll be down to around uh, 200 or less than 200 million DKK uh, in our 2024 numbers, and essentially are at a completely immaterial level as we now uh, progress through the coming years on the execution of those outstanding contracts. So this is, a, this is a, an area we're really proud of on cleaning up that backlog and uh, focusing on the parts of the business we really want to be in, such as our service centers. This is an area we inherited um, portion of through the Thyssen Group Mining Acquisition, and it's been a, a, a significant addition to our capabilities and competencies um, a, within the port our service portfolio. We have now been able to uh, start some of the rationalizations um, and align the, the functions and uh, activities taking place in those service centers so that we have some more specialization. And we're now able to start utilizing those facilities um, for a broader uh, offering of, of activities to our traditional FLS install base as well. We've continued to invest uh, in our service centers and have put about 200 million DKK into optimization um, of, and growth of those service centers since the acquisition of, uh, of TK. We will continue to invest in, in these, and we see them as a, a substantial differentiator for us moving forward. As uh, we highlighted last year, our service centers are significantly differentiated from that of the competition, and we believe are one of our strategic advantages moving forward. At the same time, we highlighted the investments we were making and our growth ambitions for mill liners. Uh, 
in 2023, we were able to achieve our growth targets, which were quite ambitious. Now, our starting base, as we highlighted previously, was uh, very small. Uh, by 2026, uh, we remain on track with our expectation of quadrupling that business from uh, our 2023 base. We've invested in, uh, in a new rubber plant in South America that's progressing well. We announced an acquisition uh, earlier last year uh, in Iowa, in the United States, um, and we are now in, well along our way on refurbishing that facility. And we're looking for additional uh, growth opportunities in terms of potential uh, acquisitions in this area. Now, uh, from a, a growth and development perspective, we're adding resources in the field and we have uh, very clear uh, definitions of, of where we believe we provide a significant advantage uh, and where we can grow this business from a customer or mine site by mine site basis. We also highlighted that our install base is a significant advantage for us as a company. Specifically, I'm highlighting here HPGRs again. Um, our strong leadership position in HPGRs was built over multiple decades. Uh, Miko highlighted uh, just a short while ago that we were extremely proud to be able to announce the first two major HPGR orders uh, issued by any customer to any uh, manufacturer uh, since the time of our acquisition of, of Tyson Group Mining Technologies. That was for a total of five units. So we further expanded our installed base uh, and our leadership position in this, uh, in this critical product category. At the same time, uh, I highlighted that we're investing in our service centers as a clear differentiator for our ability to capture the aftermarket or service opportunity that HPGRs generate. Uh, at the same time, uh, we have uh, been successful in recapturing a, a portion of the business that had not been uh, serviced by the prior TK Mining Technologies. And we have had some uh, recent successes in the launch of our HPGR Pro technology, which not only provides a very strong uh, uh, improvement in performance for our customers, but also uh, then generates additional service opportunities for us as FL Smith. And lastly, uh, we had highlighted that the growth of the PCV business was a major component of our service growth strategy. As Miko highlighted, uh, we had some strong successes in, uh, in 2023 uh, through the formation of our PCV growth strategy, delivering 8% year-over-year uh, -year growth in our, our PCV business, which has prompted us to double down um, and have since launched or announced the formation of a dedicated PCV business line reporting into Miko as part of our group executive management team. And we have now established a 15% compound annual growth rate target for that business for the coming years. We've continued to add headcounts dedicated to the business and are investing in the supply chain and capabilities to back that growth um, and are clearly demonstrating our successes in those areas up to this point. So with that, I will hand it back over. <clears throat> Thank you for that, Josh. Uh, and maybe just summing up on what we have now just uh, touched upon, this is the uh, Ibiza margin bridge that we showed at the Capital Marxist Day in January last year. And uh, <clears throat> as, as you know, we're now uh, guiding for, for this year, 11.5 to 12.5 adjusted. And if we uh, deduct the uh, transformation cost, that, that equals a uh, guidance of 10 to 11% on a reported uh, Ibiza uh, margin guidance. And our long-term target 
is a clean reported mining Ibiza of 13 to 15%. So in terms of delivering on this bridge, we have delivered more than half of our simplification synergies taken out. There's more to do the bigger tickets or a few bigger tickets is left to do. We have done uh, most of our de-risking. There's a bit more we can do, and uh, we'll do it during, uh, during the course of 24. And hopefully that will then take volatility significantly out of uh, earnings compared to where we used to be. As uh, uh, Josh is talking about here, uh, returning to growth, especially in services, is important, and we are starting uh, that up. There's a bit more to do uh, in the service business line on mix and so on, as just have mentioned. Uh, on, the products, uh, on the products side, uh, we have indicating uh, that we expect softness this year on the product side. There's uh, definitely more to do on the growth side, uh, but it will be less impactful on uh, our uh, margin uplift. And also in the products business line, uh, there's a bit more uh, portfolio mix to uh, to do and with that we will uh, on target to to move into uh, uh, our reported bitter margin targets uh, during the course of uh, 2026 um, let's give a bit of uh, direction on the cash flow so uh, last year we indicated that the transformation exercise and uh, what we had to do on projects and uh, reducing risk and taking synergies out would make our cash flow uh, a little volatile in 23 and 24. And I think it's fair to say that's also what we have seen. And for 24, we still expect uh, volatility in uh, our cash flow. We expect CFFO to be positive, but uh, not higher than we have seen in 23. And for those of you that would like to model this a few years out, I'd like to add a few uh, guiding statements here. So our net working capital uh, out of 23 was at 5.7%. As we migrate the business away from projects and, uh, and more service business, we expect to tie up inventories. There will also be receivables and other uh, working capital items and less uh, negative work in progress and so on. And that means that we would expect our net working capital to hoover up against 12 to 15 percent of revenue during the course of 2026, so 12 to 15 percent. Capex is expected to be two to three percent of sales. In 23, it was 2.3. So that is that is uh, relatively predictable, we believe. Our effective tax rate is still at a high level. It will be so also in in in, in 24, most likely, and in 25. And after that. Uh, once we move into uh, to full PCM, and uh, <clears throat> we expected the, the tax rate to start dropping uh, below 30% uh, during the course of uh, 2026. Our provisions is also a bigger ticket in uh, our balance sheet. There's three big items in the balance sheet that we classify as the first is our warranty provisions. And secondly, we have a, a restructuring bucket, and then lastly, an, an other bucket and a lack of a better word. Now, warranty provisions uh, will continue to be there. These are provisions we give on on all our products, uh, product bundle deliveries, uh, projects if they are done, and also on certain parts of our service business. So, expectedly, warranty provisions, warranty provisions will stay roughly uh, at the level where they are today, and they will grow 
with the development in our business activity. So it's fair to expect that around 900 uh, billion plus minus uh, moving forward. Restructuring, uh, as the name indicates, has to do with our restructuring activities. There's been a lot in 23. Been taking out synergies. We've been restructuring in, in Germany and also uh, significant changes in uh, our non-core business and in Brazil. And uh, that means that we have provided, as soon as you make the decision, you do the restructuring provisions, and then it will turn to cash relatively fast thereafter. We have about around 360 million provided for restructuring by the end of the year, and expectedly that will turn to cash uh, during the course of 24. Now, it will never turn to, uh, to zero. You know, we will have restructuring activities and other stuff as we move forward, but it will be considerably less uh, than it is now. Other bucket here is a big uh, ticket that has to do with uh, loss-making contracts. Uh, some of that sits in the PPA from TK, some of it is accrued as we have been going, and some has to do with legal cases and so on. And expectedly, that will run off as we close our NCA business, close out uh, some of uh, the projects we took over from TK, and also hopefully some of the legal cases will be wound down, and that means that that other bucket which was about a billion in the balance sheet by end of 23, expectedly should drop to maybe around half, plus minus uh, 100 million. So I hope you understand this is uh, a little uncertain with regards to size, but also with regards to timing. But uh, I hope that this gives a little bit of directional guidance on where this should ideally go, uh, everything else uh, equal. And... Uh, then just to uh, re-emphasize our capital uh, allocation uh, policy, once we get through 24 into 25, 26, when cash flow for hopefully stabilizes a bit, also our cash conversions to, uh, should start to increase. We still expect leverage uh, to stay below uh, 2.0x, and uh, we have a dividend payout ratio uh, target of 30 to 50% of our net profit. Now, <clears throat> we will allocate some of the uh, cash generation to investments, bold-on investments, predominantly to support Joss's service business line, but also in competences like uh, digital in, and in sustainability. There is no big targets out there currently. It can be 100 million, 300 million, maybe 500 million bold-ons. Uh, there haven't been any, so it's not like a, a big ticket that sits here. And that means that if our, even when our cash conversion starts to increase, we will uh, consider introducing either jumbo dividends or introducing a share buyback program. But so far, I think we need to come through uh, 2024, and then we will come back with, uh, uh, with an updated uh, uh, stance on this. And with that, I'll give it back to uh, Miko. A uh, few closing remarks. Uh, we are progressing well, faster than anticipated with all key transformation efforts. And uh, that includes uh, processes, includes uh, tools uh, for ERP, globalization of the way of working. And we have a, a target that uh, we have scalable platforms we have a scalable business model, and that we have small government, small head office. 
and all the people are closer to the business and then the business lines and product lines and customers. That will still continue for another one or two years, but uh, it will create a plat platform for long-term growth and makes the SGNA and fixed cost uh, scalable. We will make no compromises to qualitable earnings. We focus on continue to focus on de-risking, uh, pricing, and growing the service and healthy products. There will be no compromise in, in that. And uh, as Jos explained, we are creating foundation for long-term growth. All these initiatives will support growth in the coming years. It will be not overnight kind of kicking uh, with any of these initiatives, but it's a foundation. And we see that supporting our long-term growth initiatives. And then in addition, we are looking at uh, growth uh, through acquisitions. And we have no doubt in our mind that we would, we would not meet our targets. We will meet all our long-term targets for Roland indicated. We know exactly how to do it. We know exactly how to deliver that one. And that none of that is, is, uh, is uh, volume dependent. We have all the actions in place. We will be there. We deliver what we promise. And furthermore, I would like to invite you uh, to uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, where is it? Salt Lake City, where we have a meet and management event in September. Salt Lake City is our global technology center for mining. And most of the product lines are based in Salt Lake City. We have the biggest laboratory in the world for mining. We have a performance center for digital services so it's unique facility, unique operations, what we have in Salt Lake City. I would like to invite you all to visit us and meet the management and see our operations uh, there. So it definitely will be worth, of, worth your time. So please uh, mark the date, participate this event. And then we go for the Q&A part of the, part of the uh, presentation. We will now begin the question and answer session. So if you have a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. If at any time your question has been addressed and you would like to withdraw your question, please press star then two. The first question comes from the line of Klaus Almer with Nordia. Please go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I have a few questions. The first one is trying to figure out what is the underlying, you know, profitability. And and um, you mentioned all uh, about the pruning, about you know, clean up of the balance sheet. Have all those initiatives come to an end? So in twenty four, we should not expect these types of of non repeated costs. That will be the first one. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Klaus. So, as as we mentioned, there's still a bit more transformation to do in uh, in uh, 2024. But we clearly took uh, some big tickets in 23, and there'll be less of that expectedly in uh, 2024 as we uh, as we move forward. But it also means that, of course, if you look at Q4, we have taken some impairment charges and so on. It indicates that 
underlying profitability have been uh, have been good. And of course, uh, Klaus, uh, if you look at the cross uh, uh, profit development, and then. Uh, month and quarter by quarter, a little bit look at the mix between, uh, between service and capital. If it's more capital uh, and products heavy execution and revenues, then of course that has some impact on, on, on that cross profit. But uh, I would say that the cross profit development is uh, one of the best indicators for underlying profitability, then taking into account mix between uh, products and service for the, for the month or for the quarter. Sure. Just before going to my second question, so want to just be sure. So those possible um, cleanup costs in twenty four, will they be part of the one off cost, or should we expect also, uh, let's say, non repeated cost that is not single out as one off cost? They will not be part of one off cost. So we will be very strict with the two hundred million in one off cost that would only have to do with uh, with the split from cement, and then with. Uh, with us moving from uh, the structure we have today to uh, what we call a principal company model where we move uh, a lot of our activities, our data, our product data and so on to one single uh, ERP instance, the, the so-called principal, principal company model or the, the one mining company. Everything else will be uh, operational cost. Okay. Then... Um Miku, coming back to your question regarding your answer regarding gross margin, and I totally agree that this should give a good indication on the underlying performance. Unfortunately, both in Q3 and Q4, 23, I guess you had some costs associated to this transformation program, which you have not quantified. So maybe you could give some color to the underlying margin, either in on gross margin or on EBTA in Q4 for the mining division. That would be very, very helpful. Thanks. So, so Klaus, the, the reason in, in 23 why we're not calling out the, uh, uh, the costs related to that is because they are not material. The most significant one-off cost we've had in Q3 and Q4 has to do with the integration cost of, uh, of TK. So we, we're calling them out now in 24 because they become more significant. So would that mean, if I look at your reported adjusted gross margin for Q4 mining, that, that is actually quite accurate for how that business uh, did in that quarter? Yes. Taking into account that uh, the mix was uh, pro- a little bit product-heavy compared to the year before. If you look at the year before, it was uh, 60% service and 60-plus uh, percent service and now a little bit less. So that has a small impact on, on that as well. Okay, that was all for me. Thank you so much for the answers. The next question comes from the line of Christian Hinderacker with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning, everyone, and, and thanks for the time. Uh, I've got three questions, if I may. The first is on the revenue guide for cement. You've closed the year with a $4.9 billion order intake and $4.8 billion backlog. Just want to understand the building blocks in your assumptions for the 4 to 4.5% sales guide. Um, you're obviously scaling down to focus on quality, but, but I think the market's expecting another $4.3 billion of orders in 2024. Um, presumably, some of that in service could convert to revenue this year, so just eager to understand the assumptions in that growth target. Thanks. 
Yeah, thank, thank you for that. Uh, so I think in, in cement, you need to focus on the last two quarters, right? And we're doing around a billion a quarter in, uh, in, in order intake in cement. And also we're selling, uh, we're selling Mark, and Mark is four to 500 million in revenue. Uh, the part of the backlog that has to do with uh, projects from the past or products can be delivered after 24. So that means that if you look at the incoming recognizing that maybe a fourth of that or, or less can be delivered after 24, you know, it, it adds up to four to four and a half billion. That, that's how you should think about it. And also we are expecting the mix of revenue to get better because if you look at the, the latest order intake uh, for service versus the products, uh, uh, service order intake uh, plays much bigger part. So over time, the mix is also supporting uh, higher profitability uh, as, as we are very selective with our product order intake. Understood, thank you. Maybe then pivoting to the PCV business, if we think back to the CMD around a year ago, um, you set out number one, number two positions in 11 of 13 product categories across the mining flow sheet. Pumps was actually one of the areas not in a top two position, and, and you'd cited just the 2% share of the market in valves. You've since added that new service center in the U.S. that you mentioned, and it's obviously a growth area for the business going forward. Can you just talk a little bit about the scale of that PCV segment um, and then also the 15% growth CAGR? Is that organic or is there M&A in that assumption? I think we don't we don't give out the, the individual uh, business line numbers, but I think uh, Tos has been uh, it's been partially in his business uh, the aftermarket of the of the pump cyclones. of Do you want to say a few words about that? Sure, thanks, Miko. Um, the the service center that we're investing in in, in North America is is predominantly a, a PCV service center. Um, it's well on track. It will be operational later this year. Um, that is a foundation for a, for a, a fairly significant part of, of our expected uh, future growth. The 8% um, growth rate gives us, we were, we were very happy with, uh, with the progress given the late start. Uh, we essentially announced the, the growth starting at, uh, at CMD began putting those people in place and building that organizational structure. So the 8% demonstrated that we were able to pull through the growth uh, that we were looking for. That 15% uh, compound annual growth rate is predominantly uh, expected to come organically. Um, although, as I think Miko highlighted, it would be one of the areas that if the right M&A opportunities came about, we would certainly be, uh, be open to investing in, uh, in, in organic growth as well. And we are we are more maybe North America centric in our in our pumps and uh, cyclones operations and and uh, one of the initiatives that we globalize even more both the supply uh, service and and uh, customer operations there so we make it truly global and and uh, we will be entering new markets with a strong uh, kind of ability to serve our customers with a service uh, center setup sales resources and then also support resources for the business so it's it's uh, it's uh, that's why we made, we made it to be business line because we need more fundamental investment and change to the business rather than just adding sales resources so we 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 will invest a lot into that business thank you uh, maybe one for Josh as well, if I may. Um, you mentioned the service network in broad terms as a substantial differentiator versus peers. I just want to understand if that's 
simply on the basis of the number of facilities you now have post-TK or whether there are other specific factors you can draw out uh, as lines of differentiation. Thank you. It's, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, it, I would I wouldn't say it's necessarily in the in the volume. Um, volume is of uh, service centers is is very difficult given how various uh, manufacturers define their service centers. When I talk about our service center network, I'm predominantly talking about extremely high capability facilities um, that could can take some of our most complex um, pieces of equipment and essentially either manu- could, could be uh, available to manufacture them and can certainly do uh, full rebuild or repair capabilities on them. Um, so this is large machining, large um, assembly capabilities uh, that I'm referring to. Uh, when we look at the service centers, the competence that we have today, uh, it's spread across the globe. Um, it is in all of the key mining uh, activity areas uh, where, where we have a strong presence. Um, and we're continuing to invest in, in kind of uh, equalizing those capabilities uh, based on the install base in each of those locations. So it really has much more to do with the competence and capabilities um, within those service centers than, than necessarily the volume of them. Understood. Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Lars Stoppel with Carnegie. Please go ahead. Uh, yeah, just uh, <clears throat> a couple of quick questions from me. First of all, congrats with a good Q4, not least uh, the cash flow. Uh, speaking of that, I wonder if you can put some comments on what, to, to what extent the networking capital should ramp up in 2024 from this uh, very low level of 5.7%. And then a second question is just the transition and separation cost in 2023. How big were those? So I can compare sort of apples to apples on your adjusted EBITDA guidance. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, Lars. So uh, on, on the cash flow side, on, on, on networking capital, we would expect that to hover between where it is today and up to, to 10, maybe up to 11% during the course of, of 2024. And I wouldn't expect it to come uh, come higher than that in, in 2024. And then on, on those costs for 2023, uh, I think that's also what Klaus uh, asked for. Uh, and we're not calling those out. And because and, and, and the reason why we're not doing it, because they were they were not large. So the real work in mining on that on that PCM starts starts now. Okay. Thank you. That was all from me. As a reminder, if you wish to register for a question, please press star followed by one. The next question comes on the line of Klaus Kehl with Nick Vedic. Please go ahead. Yeah, hello, uh, Klaus Kehl from uh, Nick Vedic. Um, two questions from my side. First of all, uh, we had another major hiccup in discontinued operation in, uh, in this quarter. Should I consider this uh, the last hiccup that we will see or do you still have some some tricky projects that you need to to execute on? That would be the first question. Thank you. That's a, that's a good question. So I think uh, I, I I respect your comment there. So that uh, cash guarantee was pulled against us in twenty one, and uh, now we're expensing it, and uh, that means that basically everything on the discontinued is is out of the book. So we will we will clean that discontinued business up over the next coming months 
and then you will not hear about that anymore, then it's out. So yes, uh, the risks that on promise? that is out. Is that a promise that we won't hear any further about discontinued operations after Q1 or Q2? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. Um, second quarter, uh, sorry, a second question. Um, you've had a fairly solid uh, order intake in Q1 on the uh, announced orders, uh, at least. Will these uh, announced orders, will they um, help your top line in 24, or will it more be uh, in, in, in 25? So, so most likely those will be start to uh, deliveries toward the end of the year and, and revenue will be dominantly in, in, in 25. Typically, uh, order to delivery cycle with the heavy capital equipment is quite long. We see some revenues and, and uh, because we do uh, POC, uh, heavy capital equipment as well. So we see some POC toward the end of the year, but uh, uh, the actual delivery will be then, then, uh, then on the following year. Okay, great. And then perhaps, uh, yeah, a final question. Uh, it's been a m- about a month since you announced the um, uh, the plan to uh, divest um, the cement business. Um, ha- have you seen any early interest or any input from clients or, or anything? Or what has happened Yeah, since you announced that? So, so we are basically now in the process of appointing an advisor for, for to help us with the sale of the asset. We are preparing... Uh, uh, data room uh, with all the details and then we continue preparing cement as a business for the sale meaning as I mentioned earlier we continue addressing SGNA issue what we have there we continue cost out we continue to focus on the service and and uh, th- there's uh, some interest in the market what we've seen but uh, but it's of course early early indications as informal because uh, we, if there's interest we register the interest uh, for the cement, and then once we start the process, then we start uh, start further discussions. But there's uh, some interest in the market for for the cement. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. That was the last question. I will hand over back to Ethel Schmidt for any closing remarks. So I'd like to, with my closing remarks, I, w- I would remind you that uh, what we discuss in the capital market day and the transformation that we are going through and I'm very pleased about what we've been able to deliver uh, in 23 in terms of speed of execution speed of transformation and and uh, that we are very proud of and at the same time uh, the top line profitability you see continuous progress in the cross profit when of course when you look at uh, further down the items you still lots of noise and cost from the transformation activities but uh, rest assured we focus on the quality of the earnings we make no compromise for the quality of earnings uh, when we take uh, new, new business in whether it's capital or service and, and we, we remain committed to be uh, to that, that uh, principle at the same time we are building leadership position with all our product areas we operate in and, and as we discussed earlier, we are number one or number two in most of the products what is in our portfolio. And we continue addressing uh, our market position and pumps for the further investment and focus on the business. So uh, we continue that work. And also that uh, with the actions that uh, Josh highlighted, uh, uh, we are building foundation for long-term growth. It will be not immediate. And sometimes like a midline as we are starting from very low base, 
we, we grew business last year 50%, but the actual number is still quite small. But over the years, over the coming months, it will yield uh, dividends also for the, for the top line. So we are, we are committed to quality of earnings and also long-term uh, profitable growth.